Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello. Hello, guys. How are you doing out there And this we're having pretty weather here. I hope you are wherever you are. And thanks pretty for listening. This is weather. Shannon. I'm Melissa. Here with Old Time Crime Gals. This week we're going to talk about um, Judy Smith. Has a little mystery about how she went missing and where she was found. And traveling all over the United States, it seems like. And unsolved. Definitely. So it's another unsolved one. Definitely um, a puzzle. Because it's a mystery for sure. Interesting. So, Judith um, Eldridge was born in Massachusetts on December 15th in 1946. She became a nurse, and she was working as a home care nurse when she met Jeffrey Smith. And she was actually caring for his father, who was recovering from throat surgery, and this was around the mid-1980s. Um, he had throat surgery. He was going to be needing some assistance for like a week, so she is a home nurse. She came to take care of him. But Jeffrey, the son, and Judy had a lot in common. They were both recently divorced. You know, they had kids. They connected, and eventually they started dating. So in September of 1996, they were married. Um, he was a lawyer who represented a company in the medical field. So his job was to represent the Northeast Pharmaceutical Conference. So it's an, an organization made up of researchers and executives from like all of New England. So it's a very big, big deal. So they were both kind of in healthcare. They had that in common, too. So they get when they're married, about eight months later, there's this huge conference coming up in Philadelphia that's running from April 9th to the 11th in 1997. So they begin to plan their first trip together. And then after the conference was over, they plan to go visit friends in New Jersey. So kind of like make a vacation of it. Very cool. That sounds like a fun thing to do and almost like a... Um I guess first vacation trip, maybe. Well, it's nice because like he'll honeymoon. be at the conference doing his thing, and then she could do what she wanted to do and sightsee, and then they'd meet up and do stuff together and then go visit friends. So you yeah. kind of have your alone time and your together time. Yeah, she can shop, yep. and that way he's not having to shop and sit and wait if he doesn't <laughs> like shopping. So very cool. So that's the first trip together after the wedding. And so, you know, everything is packed, ready to go, and the couple arrive at Logan International Airport on the 9th to get ready to head out to check into their flight to Philadelphia. But during the check-in process, she realizes she didn't have her driver's license. That sounds like something I would do. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have my driver's my license. My husband has done that before. Oh, my. Um, and we actually still flew. And that oh. was after 9-11. Oh, how did that happen? Well, I think it's probably because we had photocopies of everything because we were going to Puerto Rico. Okay. And we already had backups of all of our identifications just in case. Okay. And they told us that we could, we were allowed to fly, but he had to air FedEx his license to the hotel we were at. And they wouldn't let us leave the country until he had his ID. So who helped you get the license over there if he had left it somewhere? My mom. Okay. Well, that's cool. <laughs> But yeah, so we still were allowed to fly, but I guess her not having a backup, not, you know, they yeah. couldn't verify who she was. The um, airline guidelines required to correctly identify passengers, so she had to go back See, home. 
I would be the one left in the country because my family would not be able to find <laughs> the driver's license. No, it, we, it was in the copier. Like, we were making copies of all oh, our stuff. Like, he okay. knew where it was at. He just didn't have... We know you have to be at the airport at like four in the morning for those international yeah. flights, and I'd still it be was, left in the country. Yeah. It was just a side. See, I done. probably wouldn't have made a copy like I should have. No, no I, I made, I made See, sure all that was done. There you go. But I don't know how his driver's license ended up in the copier. But That's we cool. we still flew, and we still had to, yeah we had to air FedEx it to get out of the country. Wow. But, um, so that's a fun little story. Yeah. But she, Judy, did not have her license nor a copy of her license. So she actually went back home. She's like, hey, I'll run home and get it. I'll catch another flight out. You got to be at your conference. Meet you at the hotel. Wow. And so I don't know how. It's really hard to get a refund and change flights now. So it must have been much easier back then. But that's what happened. So was this one of her first outings? Like, did she go many places? One article I read said that she never left her hometown. And then another article I read said that she had been, been to Thailand and she had visited Raleigh-Durham area before, which is in there later. So I don't think okay. she was an avid traveler. Like, it wasn't something that was common. Yes. Because um, I don't fly, so I definitely would be like, <laughs> you're not flying without me. Come on back home. <laughs> Well, and it's easy to forget stuff sometimes, and yes. he being in charge of the legal process for that whole organization probably he had, had traveled, you know, quite frequently, and had was like, okay, fine, I'll fly by myself, see you later, kind of deal. Yeah, I'd still make him stay back, my husband stay back with me, because I'd be <laughs> like, I can't fly without you. Well, that's okay. the reason I pushed so hard for him to fly with us to Puerto Rico. Because I was like, no, you're getting on this plane because I'm not getting on the plane if you're not getting exactly. on the plane. Exactly. Yes, definitely. So, she had to go home, get yep. hers, and then she's planning to meet him. Yep. So, she actually, um, she met up with him in the lobby of the Doubletree Hotel where the conference was being held. She brought flowers as an apology oh, for her mistake. How sweet. And forgetting to grab her license. You know, all was forgiven. His first day of the conference was over, so they settled in for the night. So that was April 9th. So now we're on the 10th. So the next morning on the 10th, Jeffrey wakes up first. He goes ahead and, and leaves the room and travels downstairs to take advantage of the hotel's breakfast. And he returns to the room and Judy's getting ready for her day. So he tells her she should go grab breakfast because it was actually pretty great. Because mm. that's pretty cool. So, you know, some hotel breakfasts are either like really plain and they just put out the bagels and the pop tarts and, right. and, and grab foods. And then some of them actually have, you know, the hot eggs and the hot bacon and the Fresh biscuits and, and stuff like that. So, apparently, this one was a really good one. He said, yeah, you should go eat. And so, she, her plan that day was to um, sightsee. So, she would do all the touristy stuff that Philly had to offer. You know, the Independence Hall, the Liberty Bell, go shopping, get souvenirs. While Jeffrey was doing his second day at the conference. And then she was supposed to meet back at the hotel because they had, like, this fancy cocktail party at like 6 p.m. as part of the conference, like okay. a little dinner party. And so after Jeffrey finishes lectures and his rounds for the second day, he heads up to the room and to get ready for his party. But Judy wasn't there. And he thought, no, nah, it's kind of, you know, a little odd. Where is she? But maybe she already got dressed and she went down and she's waiting on him. Mm -hmm. So then he decides to go down and check the party. But he didn't find her there either. So then he goes back up to the room. He goes back and forth to kind of maybe I'm just missing her. You know, this isn't, right. can't grab a cell phone and call where you're at. Yes. <laughs> so he's trying to see, you know, if he's missed her in between. But then he still starts to get concerned because he can't find her, obviously. So he asks the hotel um, concierge, the staff, to help. And they start contacting area hospitals. 
Okay. Um, which was nice of them because definitely they yes. didn't have to do that. <laughs> no, it was very nice of them. But for her character, it was unlike her to be delayed. Well, it wasn't completely. I'm sorry, it wasn't completely unlike her to be delayed. Sometimes she has a habit of stopping and helping people in need because you know, she's a nurse mm-hmm. and she wants to be helpful. Right. Um, but when that happens, she usually calls or finds some way to let somebody know that she's going off to help people. So he, Jeffrey, calls a cab. And he pays them to like slowly drive around the route that the tour bus would take that she mentioned she was taking. Okay. To see if he saw any signs that maybe she got off on the bus route. Maybe she's just looking around, lost track of time. And then in the meantime, he's calling his kids back in Boston asking, you know, check answering machines. Did anybody, did Judy call you to find out if they had heard anything? And so after all of this turns up nothing, you know, he'd been searching for like since six o'clock. You know, midnight, he reports her missing to the Philadelphia police. So he really was calm and cool, and he took his time to try to figure out, you know, backtrack and see where she might be. I would be panicking. Yeah. I would have already been in the police <laughs> station. I would have been banging out the door at the yes. police station right now. So here we are again with a missing person mm-hmm. and Melissa's favorite uh, waiting the, the 24 statement hours. right here. <laughs> the next very statement. Once again, the police stated he could not report her missing until it had been 24 hours. However, they gave him the tip that he could push it by calling again the next morning and reporting it again, as in, i.e., getting loud and telling them that it's really a missing persons case, which you shouldn't have to do in the first place. Right. But he did, he really did smart thing by just going ahead and, you know, getting a head start trying to find her and things like that. But, but I um, imagine yes, having it is to, frustrating. The police would be, you know, very helpful. Yeah, but having to wait until the next morning, you know, he got absolutely zero sleep that yes, night before. None at all. Um, knowing that they wouldn't even do anything until he calls. But so the next morning he does call, but he finds two very important people before he calls the police. He runs into the mayor of the city and a member of the house of representatives that oh, were wow. both at the conference. Very cool. And he explains what happened and how he was dismissed at the, as he called the police station that they didn't really believe him that he had to wait. And so by the time he calls the police station and gets down there, two detectives are willing, waiting, ready to take his story awesome. and are very nice to him, obviously because he made a phone call, which they should be to everyone. anyway. Yes. <laughs> it shouldn't Ooh. have to take that. Exactly. Too. So, of course, all investigations, you always, they look at the person closest to the victim, which is usually the spouse. Yes. And Jeffrey knew that, and he cooperated fully with police. They interviewed everyone in Judy's life, including his stepdaughter, everyone back in Boston. Um, she stated that Jeffrey, you know, doesn't even cheat on his taxes. He, you know, he's good to go. Like, his, he wouldn't do anything like that. Um, the detectives thought it was odd, though, that she would forget to bring her license, but it happens. They also mentioned it was odd that she traveled without any cosmetics at all, which I don't. I mean, I carry some, but I don't wear makeup. So, well, first of all, I forget my license a lot and I don't carry. I forget it at home in my wallet. Yes. So, (laughs) and then if you, you know, a lot of women don't wear makeup. Um, yeah, maybe I. I mean, I wouldn't pinpoint that as like I wouldn't either. Flag. No, I, definitely, because a lot of women don't wear makeup. So, and she may have just woke up late and thought, "Hey, I'm not worried. It's just me. I'm gonna not wear any today." If that's something she doesn't wear, so yeah, I don't think that's too big of a deal. But all uh, all the clothes that were left in the room did not appear to be worn. Um, it was suggested that she was still wearing the same clothes she had on when she left Boston, which is odd because when Jeffrey came back that morning, she was in the shower getting ready for her day. 
Like okay. so, so, so she had to have changed into some some type of of clothes other than the ones she wore when she was originally at the airport. Like I can't imagine her being in the same same clothes from that day. Right. Um, but it also didn't help Jeffrey that he declined to take a lie detector test. But he said he would take it. He never really declined it. He just wanted to make sure it was administered by the FBI and not local level police of how they treated him the first go around. Yeah, I think I can I can see that too. I mean, unfortunately, you think about things like this and you think about, well, I could see that happening in this situation where nothing's concrete, nothing's the same all the time. And if you have a distrust of what the police have already done, then you're not going to want to take yeah. it with them. You want to do it with someone else. So um, that and you can't even I don't think you can use those in court. I don't think so. You can't I mean, use those I'm, in court, and not, I don't. Yeah. I don't. If someone was asking me to take one, and I knew for sure, I'd probably be like, "Um, no, there's no point because right. you're not gonna find anything." Yeah, but it looks bad on on the other end, right? That you wouldn't do that. Um, That's true. So then there's like the papers get hold of the story, and then like her pictures being distributed with flyers. So then you have all these calls coming in about numerous sightings around the city. And so Jeffrey was hopeful that these would pan out. So several of the tips seemed to indicate a very disturbed person who was acting like they were disoriented, weird behavior. And that just seemed really off because that was not her at all. Right. Um, but most of them are believed to be a local homeless woman who she looked so similar to him that when the son came, he thought it was his mom across the street. Oh, wow. Like, hey, that's her. But it wasn't. Okay. So, she, so most of the people were reporting seeing her and not Judy. Okay. But then there was another report that came in that she was seen, seen shopping at Macy's in New Jersey across the Delaware River. Um, okay. So now you're going yes. out of state. But she was buying clothes for her daughter. And she even stated that her daughter didn't usually like what she picked out anyway, which was true. Judy's daughter said that's true. Which, you know, yeah. pick out clothes for older people, it's kind of hard. So this is something that she had said to the, to clerk. the clerk. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And then the... um. The sales clerk also described her that red backpack that she usually carried while traveling, which that was the picture that was on the flyer was the red backpack. And so it was a promising lead. And there's a bus that went from the city center in Philadelphia across to that area. So she could have yeah. rode the bus over and went shopping. I can see that. Because, you know, it's fun to ride across the river in a different place. Yeah, I, know, I enjoy oh, what's that. what's over there? Yeah. What's over here? So I can see that happening. And so Jeffrey, he hires two private detectives to help him in his search. So they take Judy's file and they start sending it to hospitals all over the country. Just determined to track her down. Because if she's going to go on a bus and go all the way to Delaware, who knows where else she might end right. up. So they just send it everywhere. And eventually she is found about 600 miles from where she went missing. So we'll have more on that in just a second. All right, so now we are going to travel to North Carolina. North Carolina. In the Pisgah National Forest. So we have father and son. They're out on September 7th, 1997, hunting for deer. Out of season. I don't know why they needed to clarify that. Because <laughs> they ah, should have gotten in trouble for that. <laughs> maybe because, yeah. Mm, how interesting. Okay. But they're out hunting for deer, and they come across what looks like human bones gotcha and so after some investigating and looking around they see what looks like remains that were partly clothed kind of sticking out of a shallow grave and then like 300 feet in a circle around that was all kinds of smaller bones 
So it was probably dug up by An and scattered by animals. Yes. And so they're like really high up on a hill on the side of a mountain. So they leave and they go call the authorities. And so she's labeled an unidentified white female between the ages of 30 and 55. But there were several markers that were used to find out who she was. And if you've watched Bones, this is where that comes in. <laughs> so she had extensive dental work done and her left knee had severe arthritis. And so her ribs had cut marks in them along with her bra and shirt. So that suggested that she was stabbed. So that was must, must likely have been the cause of death before being buried. And an emergency room physician in Franklin, North Carolina, I think that was like 65 miles away from where she was actually found. Okay. He recognized the file that was sent to the hospital by all the, the PIs. All okay. those files that got shipped out everywhere. He recognized it. So he got in contact with Jeffrey to send over her dental records. And so by the end of September, the remains in the forest were positively identified as Judy Smith. Wow. But now how did she get here? Yeah. That's... And there was so much stuff left where she was at. So at the scene. weird. An odd mystery for she sure. She should have been in Philadelphia. Yes. Or at least that's where she was missing from. So next to Judy was a backpack. It was not her red one that she usually carried when she traveled. This one was blue and black and had winter clothes in it. Now, mind you, it was only September. And down here in September, it's not cold yet. Mm -hmm, it's true. still like summer. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Unless at night, being if you did hike in the mountains at night, it might be a little chilly, but not all not winter. Like winter, yeah. yeah. But it contained $80 in cash. And then there was a shirt that was found buried nearby, and it had $87 in it. Okay. And so Jeffrey had stated in his original report that she had about $200 cash because she was supposed to go sightseeing and shopping and while he was in the conference. Okay. So she and, had a lot of value, valuables with her, it sounds like. She was still wearing her wedding ring. She still had jewelry. So the theory of theft could be ruled out because everything was still there. Okay. If it was going to be just for robbery, they would have took the cash and, and not left it there. So that's, mm. it's so strange. That is strange. And her, she had only been to Raleigh-Durham area once before. Jeffrey was at a weight loss clinic, and um, the family couldn't think of why she wanted to come visit here again. She didn't have any ties to this area. Well, and not only that, why would she go when she's supposed to be having a nice trip with her newly wedded? Yeah, they were wedded, supposed to go meet friends yeah, her the husband, and So it's just really I, odd, unless she had some kind of brain injury or something happened. I don't know. So. But see, you have the local detectives around there asking around and they found witnesses who gave accurate descriptions of her and remember her back in april so you're so saying she up had in the go, mountains of north carolina yes, is where these witnesses yes. were okay so there a sales clerk remembers her coming into her shop and she was chatty even said her husband was a lawyer from boston and he was attending a conference and she just wanted to see the area like she just happened to just come wow. down this way and it says she didn't seem off in any way she was pleasant she was just chatty um, huh. Someone at Biltmore Estate. So she, man, she got some good sightseeing yeah. in. I, that's cool. <laughs> Biltmore is beautiful, but they, someone matching her description drove up in a gray sedan to a campground by Biltmore okay. and asked if she could spend the night in her car. And they found out she couldn't. I guess you had to have, you know, an RV or yes. something. Okay. Um, she drove away. Gotcha. And then a deli owner stated she came in and bought $30 worth of sandwiches and left in a gray sedan. Weird. But see, okay. this matches up with the rest of the cash she had left because she only had, what, 80 and 87, so yeah. th around 30 was missing. Huh. So she bought sandwiches. And it's like she was taking those sandwiches for extended 
something, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe a hike up the hiking, mountain. I don't yeah. know. Huh. So then police were finally able to rule out Jeffrey as a suspect because physical limitations it would take to carry out the murder. Like you had to, they don't think anyone killed her and then put her there. She had to have hiked up there and be killed there. And he just couldn't, he wasn't able to, to make it up the mountain. Gotcha. Um, Cause the, it was such a remote place and it would have been impossible to carry somebody after you murdered them to carry up the mountain and barrier. Um, okay. So she was more than likely alive. At so that it's, spot. it's almost like she went hiking and then might have run into something nefarious. And so, you know, did she just want to disappear and just end up 600 miles away? Was she trying to start over? But if you want to disappear, you don't talk about your husband. That's I know. You're in Boston. So that's, I, yeah, that's kind of weird. Oh, he's at a conference. I just wanted to come down here. That's a long ways to come. And then the car. Where did the car come from? Right. Because she was supposed to be taking a bus. And I wonder unless they rented the car. Yeah, I was gonna say I wonder whose name it was in. Did find it, no information no, about that. Just a gray sedan. Said wow. it had boxes in it, and it was like filled up with stuff. Again, so odd. odd. <laughs> yes, I agree. That is very odd. But see, at the time, it is a possibility she could have ran into a serial killer, because Gary Michael Hinton was known for picking people off along the Appalachian Mountains. Okay. But he was caught, but he was never linked to her murder. He was linked to several other murders. Okay. But not hers. Got it. So that's a possibility. So there's a couple of possibilities. She might have wanted to disappear. She ran into the serial killer. Or... And Israel Keys. We don't know if he was ever around here. Do you, do you know who... Are you familiar with him? I think so. We'll have to do an episode on him, but he would hide caches of like killing supplies and bury them in the in the dirt and then like go back and visit them later and okay. when he would run into an opportunity it was completely random he would he would he murder would and then he'd just be on his way okay but i don't know if he if he would have taken the cash or not right because this is this sounds like someone that just wanted to murder for murdering I, maybe <laughs> for killing Wow. Okay. But so Jeffrey in the state of North Carolina offered up a seventeen thousand dollar reward for information that would lead to arrest. And unfortunately Jeffrey died in two thousand five and it's still unsolved. And nothing about children, her children or anything. I didn't, I didn't find anything any. about her children. It's hard when you can't find a lot of information in it <laughs> to know because you just kinda wonder where are they at? What are they doing? And um well very it's sad. out there, I'm sure. I just I didn't mean, dig hard enough. Well, and you can dig hard enough <laughs> if you want to. And um, But we thank you for joining us. And this has been a cool story to yeah. tell. And this is interesting that she ended up so far away um, from where she her destination was. So Normally when that happens, it's a kidnapping situation or it's, it's a younger person. And they kind of have an inkling that they're on the move and they're traveling, not just to just disappear and pop up so far away <laughs> because being a woman in that age range i would never do that i want to stay where i'm with people i know <laughs> and i'm safe and you know chances are i won't have my driver's license because you know i forget it sometimes <laughs> <laughs> they won't be able to identify me but um anyway well melissa thank you for researching that and bringing that to Oops, us i had fun and so yep just remember um you can hit us up on facebook or email us we're oldtimecrimegals at gmail.com I'll have the pictures and um, the links to the sources up on the webpage and under the episode description. And remember, even with a crime that's unsolved, if you do it, it'll catch up with you in time. And we'll still talk about it.